problem is not a problem to me because I am God. I have all authority. I have all power. Rest in me. That is the act of faith that you must engage yourself in. Because when you rest in me, you rest in the fact that I'm going to take care of it and you don't have to know how I'm going to do it. You just need to know that I'll take care of it. But I'm gone. I can and I will. Because you are my children. Because I love you. Because that I am watching out for you each and every day of your life. Nothing comes, nothing happens to you that I haven't already seen it coming. And I've already taken care of it. So my word to you is rest in me. Thank you, Jesus. Not your circumstances, not your own abilities, not what you can get someone else to do for you, but rest in me. Yes. And I will show myself to you to be your God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Father, something that kept coming in my heart as we were worshiping up here is the Lord says, will you serve me unabandoned? Will you serve me with all of your heart? Will you yield yourself to me? I am gentle and humble at heart. Will you serve me? Father, we do that tonight. We trust in you as you've said. We serve you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. 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 Thank you. you. may be seated. Yeah, I just kept getting that tonight. Real quick before we get into our uh, series tonight and our message, and I forgot the clicker. <laughs> um. I want to read something that just kept coming to my mind during worship. And uh, it's in Revelation 19. And this is when the bride is in heaven. This is when the church is in heaven. So I want you to picture this for a minute. It says, Revelation 19, after this, I heard sound, what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her blood his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Then it says the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And as I was worshiping, guys, that's what we're going to do in heaven. We're going to do that one day. This is describing us. And so I was just thinking about this as we worship tonight. 
We're going to be doing that in heaven. So just keep that with your heart. I just wanted to add a little bit tidbit on the night. I just really sense God wanted me to share that. All right, now, everybody have their Bibles? I want to look real quick at Revelation 13, and then we're going to go to Daniel. We're going to be looking at the book of Daniel tonight. But I wanted you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 13. This is not on the overhead. Revelation 13, and there's a reason for this. Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 uh, through uh, 18. Verses 11 through 18. So Revelation chapter 3, verse 11 says, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had that mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it's, num it's man's number. His number is 666. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, as we're studying the Old Testament typology of the rapture of the church, Father, in the book of Daniel tonight, I pray, Father, you will give us understanding like we've never had it before. Lord, we're, we're seeing these things happen in our lifetime. Now, we don't know the day or the hour when you're going to come back, Lord, but we want to be ready. And so, Father, would you just prepare our hearts tonight? Would you speak through me as your vessel and, and say what you want to say to us tonight? We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Now, there's a reason why I read this scripture before we go to Daniel and read Daniel chapter 2. Because you'll see some correlations when we get into chapter 3 next Wednesday with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You're going to see a statue that they are forced to do what? Bow down and worship. Everything that was in the Old Testament is going to come to fruition in the New Testament. Symbolic things. Um, in fact... In the book of Revelation, it calls it the, uh, the, the harlot or the great, the mystery Babylon. Well, in those days, Babylon represented the world. Israel represents God's people. So when, when Moses came out of the land of Ur, remember the Tower of Babel? That's where you get the word Babylon from. So the Tower of Babel, what was, their whole, whole, uh, what was the whole thing about their heart? It was inclined to, to what? Become their own God. To make a tower to the heavens. And they were doing it with an evil intent. And that's where God, what, separated the languages. Right? So you're going to see some of the same stuff. We're seeing that today. Man is trying to make a global government again. And I believe, this is just my opinion. You go study the scripture for yourself. Do some study. But I believe the world stage is starting to set for this one world government. Um, you know, I've shared with the World Economic Forum. Um, I haven't shared, I don't know if I've shared this yet, but... You go look and you look at the World Economic Forum's slogan and you look at 270 leaders in the world today that are part of the UN and that are part of the World Economic Forum, their slogan is Build Back Better. Yes, Boris Johnson says Build Back Better. Well, he's from Great Britain. 
The Prime Minister from New Zealand, build back better. Justin Trudeau from Canada, build back better. It's all part of this global government. So we're seeing this, and we're going to look at tonight, if we get there, to this last kingdom that's going to be built up. And we're seeing that happen. And so I believe, again, that we are living in the last days. And I've shared with you the number one sign, I think, is because Israel's back in its homeland again. Israel's a nation again. But I wanted you to see the correlation. You're going to see some of the same stuff in the book of Revelation. Thankfully, if you're a believer in Christ, you will not be here for that. Amen. If you know Jesus, we're going to be taken out of here. But you can see some sim, uh, 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 similarities between this and what happens in the book of Daniel. So go with me to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Verses, and we're going to read the whole chapter. I'll try to make it quick because I know this is a Wednesday night. But Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 49. And the reason why we've got to read this whole chapter is because it kind of gives you an overview and an understanding of what's going on here. So Daniel chapter 2, verse 1 says, In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams his mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. Anybody have trouble sleeping at night sometimes? And he says, so the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want, I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers asked the king of Ar Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I firmly have decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will cut you into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king answered, I'm certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situ situation will change. So then tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. Basically what he's asking is, hey, you guys tell me what I dreamt last night. I mean, that's a supernatural thing. I don't know what you guys dreamt last night. You don't know what I dreamt. Sometimes we don't dream at all, right. Right? right? There's only one person that can interpret dreams. Only one person that knows your thoughts and what you're thinking about at night, right. and that's God. Verse 10, the astrologers asked of the king, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among you. Uh, here's another interesting thing. Satan does not know your thoughts. Amen. Right? These were magicians and astrologers, men of the world. They don't serve God. He cannot read your thoughts. He only knows what you're thinking when you say it. Which I had to learn earlier, right? Don't speak bad about the shoulder surgery coming up. Verse, verse 12, this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men in Babylon. So the decree was issued to put, this, uh, to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. 
When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went in to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and uh, that's always a hard name to say, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from God, from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we have asked you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take to me the king, and uh, take me to the king, and I will interpret interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he, he asks, has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. I like this. Daniel gives credit to who? God. God's the only one that can interpret dreams. Guys, God's the only one that can work and do things and accomplish things in our life. As you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to the things to come, and the revealer of mystery showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than all other living men, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation, and that you may understand what went through your mind. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on the threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we, went, we will interpret it to the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. After you, another kingdom will rise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were bar partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of its iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, 
So this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the times of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor, nor, will it ever, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all the other kingdoms and bring them to an end, and, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the envision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel, paid him honor and ordered that an offering and an incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king of appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Boy, that's a lot of verses to read. But here's the gist of it. We're going to go through this tonight. So I've titled the message, Exalted to a Higher Place. Remember, we're looking at a typology in the Old Testament of the pre-tribulation rapture. And the focus is going to be on this last kingdom. We're going to be looking at the kingdoms tonight. And it's going to crescendo and come to, a to, uh, to the end of it where Daniel was. Because when we get into chapter 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's not there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, but not Daniel. And so that's why we titled Exalted to High Place. Hopefully we get through that tonight. So let's look at the first one. Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the execution of the wise men ordered by the king. So the king has this dream, right? And so Daniel, we read that. Daniel uh, uh, is the only one that God gives us. Uh, in fact, it says we, so I think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are with him. But he sends it to the, these wise men. Now understand, remember in the New Testament where it says the wise men came and presented gifts to Jesus. These are those wise men that was passed down through generations. These are the men that Daniel ends up being in charge of and, and, and uh, teaching. And, and eventually, I think he's the one that told them about the Messiah to come. So we see this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has. And, and his astrologers and, and enchanters can't interpret the dream. Again, but God, right? And so God is setting the stage for Daniel. Now, we're going to go through this for a reason. The reason why I'm building this up is we have to see that God always plans things on purpose. God prepares things. He puts you in the position you're in for a reason. He places you where you're to live for a reason. Right? God put them here when the Babylonians came and took captive all those from Israel. and Jerusalem. God has strategically placed all of us. God is the chess player, right? And we're the chess pieces. And we're his pawns, but we're pawns that he loves, right? And we're not just something that he throws off to the side. But God's got a plan for each one of us, and he has strategically placed all of us where we're supposed to be. And when it's time, he'll move you, right? Some of you are like, yeah! <laughs> so in verses 1 through 13, he orders the execution. Now, when it comes to your mind, if somebody were to come and say, okay, you're going to be executed, what's your first thought? 
Exactly. What did I do? I didn't do anything. It's interesting that these guys did not in, have the ability to interpret the dream. They're supposed to be magicians and astrologers. Again, it shows that our God is the great God, right? Men were sent to look for who? Daniel and his friends. Let me share something about this. I know that we're talking about uh, the end times, but there's some good messages out of here. Guys, are people looking to you for Jesus? Are they looking for, to you for the answer? See, when we're following Christ and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, people will come to you for answers. Even when I worked at Tulsa County, and I worked with some rough, tough guys. I mean, I had two, two of them. They were best buds, came up. They had tattoos all the way up their arms and all the way to the back. Now, that's normal today, but, I mean, this was back in the early 2000s, you know, and they had, I'm not going to tell you what kind of tattoos they had. It was just not very nice. But they were the tough, rough guys on the outside, but when they were in trouble and they needed prayer, guess who they would go to? Are you that person? Are we that person that somebody can go to like Daniel? So we saw that in verse 13. Look at verse 13 real quick. Let's look at verse 12. This made the king so angry and fierce that he ordered the execution of all the wise men in Babylon. Now understand, Daniel's a part of that. Shows Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the decree was issued to put, a, put wise men to death. And men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Okay, now that's different. They're looking to put them to death. But look at verse 14. When Ariak, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. So he sent out to put them to death. Daniel responded with what? Wisdom and tactfulness. Look what James says, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalties as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He had wisdom. Look at this. Proverbs 51. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Right? A gentle answer turns away wrath. So Daniel responded not in fear, but in faith. And he responded with wisdom and tactfulness. Look what he says here in verse 15. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. I like that. Ask God for wisdom, no matter what you're going through, business, friends, situations. Ask the Lord for wisdom and God will give it to you. Again, I'm building a deal here, okay? This, has, this does have something to do with the pre-tribulation rapture. Now Daniel does something. What does he do? You're in pro you have problems. James says you're in trouble. You should pray. So look with me in verses 17 and 18. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. If you're in trouble, pray. If you need an answer from God, pray. Again, we take a message like this for the pre-tribulation, but there's always more in God's word for our life. If you're struggling with something, ask God and he will answer you. Pray about it. Come before God. Get into his presence. It, listen, God doesn't always answer right away. 
Sometimes we have to wait for it, but he will give you an answer. And, and later on, if you read in the book of Daniel on your own, remember there was a battle going on? And for 21 days, Daniel didn't get the answer. Why? Because there was a spiritual battle between demonic forces and God's angels. And he told Daniel, Daniel, the minute you begin to pray, there was an answer sent. So maybe you guys are waiting on an answer from God and it hasn't happened yet. Maybe it's because there's a spiritual battle going on. So don't give up. Keep praying. That's why Jesus said, keep asking, keep knocking, and keep seeking. So Daniel and his friends pray, and guess what God does? He gives them the interpretation. Look at verse 19. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. God reveals it to him. God gives him the answer. That brings us to the next one. Daniel interprets the dream. So Daniel interprets the dream to the king, and who does he give credit to? God. Guys, whatever success you have in this life, who gets the credit? God does. So look with me in verses 24 real quick. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. He was that sure of what God had given him. He was that sure that God had given him the interpretation, that he was willing to risk his life for it. Are we that sure about our relationship with God that we're ready to give our life for Him? It's a good question to ask. Look what 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of who? For God. So you give Him the credit. Now, Daniel interprets the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. We don't have to read it. We already read it earlier. Verses 29 through 43. Now here, I'm going to explain what these kingdoms are. The first kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar, was the head of gold, representing the Neo-Babylonian Empire. And it, it, it was from 605 to 539 B.C. And so he's the head of gold. Now understand this, this is all building up for chapter 3, because in chapter 3, he makes a statue of complete gold. Pride had got to Nebuchadnezzar's heart. He thought, nope, I'm not just going to be a head of gold, I'm going to be that whole gold, what, statue. No, but no other kingdom's great is going to come after me. I'm it. So they, they ruled from, again, 605 to 539 B.C. After that, hopefully you guys can still see it, the Medo-Persian Empire. And it represents the silver chest and arms and was established by King Cyrus. Remember King Cyrus? And that was from 539 to 330 B.C. And this was an inferior kingdom made up of both Media and Persia that lasted 200 years. All empires, if you look in history, all come to an end at one time. Great, great empires. The Grecian Empire, ruled by Alexander the Great, defeated the Medo-Persian Empire between 334 and 330 B.C. This empire was made up of a belly and of thighs of bronze. So the belly and the thighs were made up of bronze. I'm giving you a picture of this statue for a reason. These were different kingdoms, and you can go back through history. So God, not only gave him the interpretation, but gave him a prophetic picture of those times. And then he gives a pr prophetic picture of the times that I believe we're living in. So finally, again, this kingdom was inferior, represented by bronze. The fourth kingdom was Rome. 
Rome is represented by the iron legs, and they defeated the Greek Empire in 63 B.C. And that's when the Roman Empire came about. Rome was stronger than the other three kingdoms, just like iron is stronger than gold, silver, and bronze. Rome's destruction came about by division. They were defeated from within. They were iron mixed with clay. What's that sound like today? The, our country. Sounds a lot like our country. We're iron mixed with clay, and we're being defeated from what? Within. They, their borders were overrun. Not, I'm not getting political. I'm just speaking history. Their borders were overrun, and they didn't mix well. Now look at this. The final kingdom will be iron mixed with clay and will be made up of ten horns or kings from which the little horn, the Antichrist, will rise to power. Jump over with me to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, verses 23 through 25. Daniel chapter 7, verses 23 through 25. He says here, he gave me this explanation. He's describing that same dream of these, of these kingdoms. And he said, he gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is the fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole world, trampling it down and crushing. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from earlier ones, and he will subdue three kings. He will speak he will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and will try to change the set times and laws. And the saints will be handed over to him for a time, times and a half a time. Now, why do I go into all this stuff? Because this is speaking of the final kingdom. Now, he calls it the fourth kingdom, but if you look at it, the ten toes is kind of like the final kingdom. And I just said the, the it can, and in some, some sense, you could call it the fourth or a revived Roman Empire. And that's exactly what's happening today. You're seeing a revived Roman Empire starting to develop. It's interesting too. You go back to the the um, back in the 1950s, and uh, man, I wish I can remember the name of it. it. Just have you ever had one? I do that sometimes. You get that. You know what it uh, is in your mind, but then all of a sudden it goes by. But uh, it was a. It, it's where the uh, UN came out of, and the globe. Uh, um, man, I hate that. I should have wrote it down in my notes. Sorry, but. Uh, the Club of Rome. Anybody heard of the Club of Rome? And in the Club of Rome, in one of their books, they actually have set up ten sections for the earth. In their map. This was back in the 50s. And the UN's plan, now here's the interesting thing. In, in the New Testament, Paul says, uh, when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction comes on them. The slogan for the UN is peace and security or peace and safety. And for the last 70-some years, 74 years, they've been trying to bring peace and security to Israel between the Palestinians and the, Is and the Jews. So you're seeing stuff that's in the Bible. And now this is not in my notes. But it's in, in fact, we'll go there. Let's go to Thessalonians real quick. i got to read this to you so that I'm not getting you off guard. There's a whole uh, uh, method to this madness tonight. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is not my notes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church of Thessalonica, or you can pronounce it Thessaloniki. 
And he's talking about the rapture of the church, that we're going to be caught up to the, to, in the clouds, right? The, you've heard me say, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are still alive will be caught up. Harpazo. Again, in the Latin Bible, it's raptui. And it's the, so the word rapture is in the Latin Bible. And then in, verse, and in chapter 5, remember, they didn't have verses and chapters back then. He says, now, brothers, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you. Remember, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Now we're in verse 2. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, some translations say peace and security, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not what? Escape. So you see this, and so we're seeing, I believe, this final kingdom, and I've got some other pictures that we're going to look at here in a minute. We're going to look at some things. But before we get to that, I want to read this scripture here. This is, a, again, a review, revived Roman Empire and kind of like a Babylonian empire because it says in Revelation, the mystery Babylon. Well, mystery Babylon is Babylon. And, and, and it comes out of Europe. Then look at Revelation 73. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and how many horns? Ten, ten horns. Remember Daniel talks about the ten toes. That's the final kingdom, the ten horns, ten toes. Europa riding the bull in Brussels. Let's see if I got the picture. Did I get the picture? Oh, did you see it? It doesn't come up on this one. This is in Brussels. The Bible talks about a woman riding a beast. We're talking about this final kingdom that Daniel's talking about. Now, I'm, the reason why I'm getting to this and building up to this is because we're going to look at where Daniel's at at the end of the book. So this is in Brussels. The woman who rides the beast. This, this happened at the Commonwealth Games in 2022. Now, the Commonwealth Games are games that Europe does together. And you can go watch this video. And they literally had this mechanical bull, and underneath it was a car, and they came out with chains on it, and they begin to worship it with these crystals. And guess who's on the back of it? Is that a woman on the back of that beast? And that just happened in 2022. And you know who was there to, to inaugurate that? Again, I'm not, I don't know. We're not looking for the Antichrist. We're looking for Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm not saying this is it. But Prince Charles was there to inaugurate that, that, that games. And you can go watch that. It's kind of creepy. They go out and they got these chains and, they're, and they got these crystals and they're bowing down to it and they're worshiping it. And it's all about climate change. Again, I'm building this because I believe we're living in that last age. You're seeing these things come to fruition. You're seeing Scripture come alive. I mean, Scripture is alive, but we're seeing prophecy come to pass in our day. There she is. Go with me to Revelation chapter 17 real quick in your Bibles. Revelation chapter 17. Look with me in verses 1 through 9. Anybody learning something tonight? Let's read verses 1 through 9. Revelation chapter 17. Verse 1, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. With her the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. 
Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into the desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with, a bla with blasphemous names. I want to go back to that thing. Um, do you see all the names written on that? Look, look at all the names. There's names written on that beast. Can you guys see him up by the nose and up by the head? I'm not saying it is, but I think it's kind of interesting how everything is starting to be fulfilled. Did, 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 did you guys all see that writing on it? All right, just wanted to make sure. Look what it says, verse 4. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was, glitter, was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a gold cup in her hand, filled with the abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. This title was written on her forehead. Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. Excuse me. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, Why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and the beast she rides, which has the seven heads and ten horns. The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and will come out of the abyss and go to his destruction. The inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast, because he once was, now is not, and yet will come. This calls for a mind of wisdom. The seven heads are the seven hills on which the woman sits. Now, here's an interesting thing. This is Italy. This is Rome. Do you know Rome is known as the city that sits on the seven hills? These are seven hills. Where was Rome? The revived Roman Empire? Do some study on that. In fact, do you know uh, Europe... They have Europa. They have the woman that rides the beast on their coin for the European Union. I find it interesting that we're seeing biblical things happen in our lifetime. So Daniel prophesied about this final kingdom. The reason why I wanted to talk about all those other kingdoms and some of the things in there is to build up to what we're seeing in this final kingdom that's being built. Now, again, we don't know the day or the hour, right? And I'm sure back in World War II, they thought Jesus was coming back then, too. Let me tell you the difference between then and now. In countries back then, you still had morals. But you're seeing the homosexual movement, it's worldwide now. You're seeing the transgender movement, worldwide. You're seeing the climate change, worldwide. You're seeing natural disasters that are rising. They've, they've taken studies of the natural disasters and how much they have increased. It's not global warming, it's just everything's... Coming to a climax of the time of the end, right? You're seeing the, the, the increase of technology. I've shared with that. Daniel talks about knowledge will increase rapidly. Now, there's two different views on that. One, that people will go to and fro. Does that happen today? What did we ride for the last 5,000 years? Horses and buggies. Up until what? The, the beginning of the 20th century, right? And then the automobile came along. And the airplane. And now we go to and fro. You know, I can go visit my mom. Well, now I'm here in this state. But when I lived in Washington, I could buy a plane ticket and go see mom within a few hours. It would take months on horse and buggy. 
So we're seeing all this stuff begin to happen. Let's go back to Daniel. The Antichrist is going to subdue three of these kings. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 2. We're almost done here. In chapter 7, he talks about he subdued three kings. So three of these kings are going to be subdued by the Antichrist when he comes on the scene. And again, who is the rock? Jesus. Jesus is the rock and he will destroy his final kingdom and rule forever. We call that the millennial reign of Christ. Here's the wonderful thing. We're going to be raptured. And in verse nine, in chapter 19 of Revelation, the reason I read uh, some of that tonight was because we're the, we're, the, we're the bride of Christ and we're going to be up there for the wedding supper of the Lamb with Jesus and we're going to come back with him. When he comes back on the second coming, we're going to come back with him. Man, I've always wanted to be a cowboy, so I finally get my, cat, my horse, and I won't have to run from him. This brings me to the final point. Go with me real quick to Daniel chapter 2. Let's start in verse uh, 46 there. Daniel has given uh, King Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation. And what does King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar do? Look at verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Here's, here's the thing. You and I serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the God of gods. And God can use us in mighty ways, and he gets the glory for it. He gets the glory, and it brings people to their knees. First, it's a spiritual need, right? They, they're brought in their spiritual hearts, conviction. So just keep living for Jesus. Keep doing what Jesus has asked you to do, and you never know whose life you may touch. And I have a whole story for that sometime, but not tonight because it will be too late. But then look at this, verse 38, or 48. Daniel is exalted to what? A high position. This is where the typology comes in. Verse 48, then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of his wise men. Verse 49, moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. And so God exalts Daniel to a high place. A lot of people think, well, how does this have anything to do with the pre-tribulation rapture? Again, when we look at chapter 3 next week with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're going to look at, remember how I mentioned that they represent the Jews going through the fire of the tribulation. Because how long is the tribulation period? Seven years. How much did uh, Nebuchadnezzar heat up the furnace? Seven times. And in the book of Revelation, it talks about God's going to protect his remnant. Jews, he's going to protect them. Was Dan, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego protected in the fiery furnace? They were. But everybody asks, where's Daniel at? Where's Daniel when those three are told to bow down and worship the idol? He's at the royal house. He's at the royal court. Where will you and I be when the tribulation period comes? We will be in the royal house. We will be exalted to a high position. 
Remember, God speaks symbolically in the Old Testament, prophetically. He's speaking about that final kingdom, and at the end of this, God exalted Daniel, and God's going to exalt us to a higher position. We're going to be taken out here. That's Remember Isaiah 26, that God says, I'm going to hide you. Let's go to Isaiah 26 real quick, and we'll finish with this scripture. This is not in my notes. Do you see why I did the crescendo tonight? There's a reason for it. Isaiah 26. Look in verse, verses 20 and 21. Remember, I, I, I shared the scripture with you a, a few weeks ago. Isaiah 26, he says, Go, my people, enter your rooms and shut the doors behind you. What did Jesus say? I, I, I'm going to heaven and I'm coming back to get you. And while I'm there, I'm preparing a place for you. For in my Father's house are many what? Rooms or mansions. So now God says, uh, go my people, enter your rooms and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until his wrath has passed by. Whose wrath? God's wrath. The tribulation period is God's wrath on unrepentant people on earth. On the ungodly. And Paul says that we are not appointed to God's what? Wrath. So he says, we're going to go hide in some rooms. We're going to be exalted to a high place. And we're going to be in the royal court. And then look at this, verse 21. See, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the people of what? Does he just say one area? He says what? The earth for their sins. The wrath of God is going to be poured out on the tribulation period for the sins of the people of the earth. And you read farther on in Revelation, maybe that would be a good book to do a series on Wednesdays. I wouldn't scare everybody off, would I, if I did that? The Bible says you're blessed if you read it. But you read through that, and you read through the book of Revelation, and you'll see the different judgments. He has the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments. And we're not there for it, because it's God's wrath poured out on the ungodly. You do not have to be afraid of the book of Revelation. If you're born again and you're saved, you do not have to be afraid of it. A lot of people, are pastors are afraid to teach out of it. it. You just go by what the scripture says. So he says, the Lord is coming out to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will disclose the blood shed upon her. She will conceal her slain no longer. Guys, that's why I wanted to do Daniel. I know we went through a whole thing on these kingdoms, but I wanted to show you some of those pictures and what's going on. And that, that we're, I honestly believe we're living in those days. How many of you could agree? I'm going to ask for a hand, raise a hand. How many of you guys believe we're living in those last days? So we're seeing, we're that final kingdom that's being built up. Remember the picture I showed you of the, you couldn't go into Aldi's in, in Great Britain unless you had your COVID pass and you had the vaccine, which hopefully doesn't get us kicked off the Facebook because I said that word. That's pretty sad when you can't say certain words and you get kicked off of platforms. I thought we were a free country and we, were, we had the Constitution, freedom of speech. Do you see everything that's happening? You do a study on this guy named Klaus Schwab. Go do a study on him, World Economic Forum. And his daddy built armor for Hitler during World War II. He's calling this thing, they want to do what they call transhumanism. This is not science fiction. This is not a conspiracy. They believe that humans can be hacked. You've all know a Harari, who's the, he's an Israeli, he's a homosexual, he's one of the masterminds behind Klaus Schwab, 
And why am I sharing all this with you? Because we've got to be aware of what's going on. He is behind a lot of this stuff, him and Klaus Schwab. And he just said that, that we don't matter. He said Jesus is fake news. Yeah, he came out and said Jesus is fake news. And they want to create a new religion and that humans are hackable. And he even said that this COVID thing that went on was a great opportunity to hack humans. That's straight out of his lips. They want to put a chip in everybody and everybody get identified. This is, again, this is not conspiracy. I share this as a pastor because we've got to be aware of the times that we're living in. Amazon, remember I shared with you. I've shared with you three or four times. Now I just read an article. They're doing it nationwide and worldwide with the scanning of your palms to go in. You don't take your credit card. You don't take your wallet. They get a picture of your palm. They're already doing it in China. You go in. They scan your palm. You get, get every, whatever you want. You can put it under your coat, whatever. They, they'll charge you for it right then. Charge your account. So we've got to be prepared. And the reason why I'm teaching this stuff is we're close. If all this stuff is happening, just like Michelle Bachman said, and how close is Jesus coming back? Right. And he's right at the door. So we've got to be prepared. We've got to be telling people about Jesus coming back. Now, again, I'm not a date setter. Don't follow people and set dates. That's stupid, right? Because then he, he never comes back when we think. That's why the Scripture says only the Father knows. But we will know the seasons because he says that we will not be caught off guard. We're not children of the night, but we're children of the day. And this will not surprise us if we're right with the Lord, right? So, anybody enjoy this tonight? Listen, we're living in the last days, and we got to be prepared. So, all right, let's close. Father, we thank you for this night. Lord, as we, as we dive into chapter 3 next week, and, and, and I don't know what the next thing is. I'm going to be praying about it. Lord, I just pray that you, you want to speak to us. It's, it, this is your church. You're the good shepherd. Lord, I'm just the other shepherd. These are your people. Uh, Father, I just pray that you would continue to feed into their lives. Lord, that they would uh, study the word and be good brands of it. And that, Lord, that we're to occupy until you come. Lord, help us. Give us divine appointments. Give us opportunities to share the gospel. Lord, help us to be there to pray with somebody, to help somebody. Father, help us to always point people to Jesus. I pray for a blessing on everyone here tonight. Bless them as they leave and go home. Bless the rest of their week. And until they come on Sunday, in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Well, bless you. I know. At what football game?